Amen. So, church, it's good to be with you. We are in this series talking about God's promises. Uh, amen. There's so many good uh, promises from the Lord in his, his word. Do you know that the, the Bible has like thousands of promises to you and I? Did you know that? There's so many. You just type in like, you just like Google it or use Bing or whatever other, other search engine you want to use, right? And you'll find there's just so many promises God has for you and me in his word. So you can imagine the pressure for those of us who have to talk in this series to try and cram that all in. You know what I mean? Like that's a lot to go through. But I'm going to do my best. Amen. Um, so this morning, what we're talking about, the, the promise of God that I feel like that um, for was on my heart to share with you guys is God's promise that we can know him. That we can know him. And just for a minute, let's just think how unique that is, that we serve a God that we can personally know, right? You go to any other religion in the world, and there is this concept that we have to reach up and build ourselves up and sacrifice in order to get to God versus in Christianity, when we follow Jesus, God came down to us. God did what we could never do. Instead of us reaching to him, he came and reached to us. That's the beautiful picture of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. So we're going to kick off here. If you have your notes, you'll see uh, that, 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 that neat little like, like triangular um, pattern there, right? Starts off with knowing that, that, talking about our promise, right? We can know him. We can know God, right? And if we know him, we can trust him. And if we trust him, we can follow him. And as we follow him, we grow to know him more, right? That's like that cycle. That's the cycle we should all be walking out in our Christian walk, amen? Right? None of us have done that perfectly. I don't know about you, but I don't think any of us wholly know God. Not that we really can, right? Like none of us can really wrap our brain around the infinite almighty God, right? The pre-existent God. But we can have a relationship with him. Not that we do that perfect, right? Um, and we can trust him, not that we all trust him perfectly. And we can follow him, not that we all follow him perfectly. But we can have this relationship that grows with God, right? It's this cycle that we walk through as people who are trying to have a relationship with God because he wants to have a relationship with you. Amen? So we're going to kick off here with a, a verse in Jeremiah, Jeremiah 31, uh, verses 33 and 34. So I'm going to read this for you guys, kind of some neat stuff in here when we talk about having a relationship with God, that we can know our Heavenly Father. All right, verse 33, but this is my covenant that I will make with the, with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Now, here's what's cool. If you pause right there, if you look in the original language, that word, my people, they shall be my people, is the same word that's used when a mother hen has chicks, and all the chicks hide underneath the shadow of their mother hen. Isn't that cool? Isn't that an interesting picture? Like, that's the picture God's trying to show. This is how I want to be with you. I want you to come and hide under my shadow. I want you to be so close to me that you're hiding in me. Right? That's kind of the picture that he's using there in that verse 33. Okay, verse 34. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man to his brother, saying, Know the Lord. Ready? For they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will, give, I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. Here's what's cool when we talk about this uh, thing, right? Because 
uh, your, your next fill-in there, your first fill-in, should I say, is God's promise is that we can know him personally, right? Jeremiah, uh, your next uh, fill-in there, I'm just going to jump right to that. It's important to remember that Jeremiah is speaking to a very legalistic people. That's your next fill-in there, a legalistic people where the law was meant to be expressed outwardly. Right? So long as they obeyed the letter of the law in outward expression, it really didn't matter what was happening on the inside. Right? That was the picture, that was the concept of the law. Let's face it, that's, the law. We, that's how we obey laws today. Right? None of us have an emotional attachment to the speed limit. Right? None of us do. None of us ever looked like 55. I will never go past 55. Whew. Best speed limit, 55, right? None of us ever feel that way, right? Because if we did, we would never break it. But like 55 means like 60, right? <laughs> don't, say, don't say Pastor Nate said that, by the way, if you get pulled over. Um, <laughs> praise the Lord. Um, but that word covenant, right? It's, it's, this is meant to be a personal interaction, right? That they shall all know me from the greatest to the least. And that his law is written in the mind and on the heart. It's kind of an interesting thing there. Right, because that picture of the law, it requires, your next fill-in, consistent and a dedicated relationship. Right? Because, let's face it, let's just be honest with each other, right? Especially married people in the room or those who are about to be married. Um, you, you learn that there are rules in your home. Nobody ever wrote them down. Right? You know, like when, 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 when dishes like sit in the dishwasher, right? There can be a rule that like that's not supposed to happen. Nobody ever said that. But you get to know that over time, right? You're with somebody long enough, you get to know there are rules that were never, never written, but they're very important. You know what I mean? Um, there should be this relationship with God. Can I tell you some of the, some of the most profound relation, like, moments I've had with God? Where when God told me that there's some things that like, were not strictly biblically sin, but God's like, for you to do that, that's sin. I remember I used to run. I used to love running. I used to run like marathon distances. I used to run at an unhealthy level. I ran to Jackson from Bricktown. That was not healthy. Dan Panish remembers that. Um, I ran, I, actually Linda remembers that because I just showed up at her house, like exhausted, like wasn't making a return trip, you know? And um, I, they, I would just like, I would I just like walked into their backyard and just laid in their pool. <laughs> you know what I mean? They were kind of, she made an excuse like she had to drive to Bricktown to go to Barnes and Noble. You know what I mean? Thank God that she was willing to drive me home. Um, <laughs> I overestimated my abilities there. You know what I mean? Um, but there's, there's um, I don't know where I was going with that. It's a fun experience though. Amen. Anyways, yeah, God wants to have a personal relationship with us. If it comes back, I'll jump back to it. Uh, but that word, so if you look at Jeremiah, right, that word covenant there. Everybody say covenant. That word is in the Hebrew, in the original Hebrew, is the word berith. Everybody say berith. That's a fun word to say, right? And it means, it means something, it does mean the word covenant. I'm actually, just a, as an example for this, I'm going to invite up uh, Pastor Jim and, and Pastor Tom. They're going to help me here with an example. Um, I have this fabric here, right? And I know my high-tech, hand-drawn, old and new pictures of the, of, of the Testament, right? If you guys can just hold this nice and taut, right? If you would just uh, picture for me that this, this piece of fabric represents all of humanity, right? The full experience of humanity. And here we have the Old Testament, right? We have the birth, the, the, the life of Jesus and his death on the cross. And then we have the New Testament. It's been like 2,000 some years on this side, right? And we know that there's been two covenants, right? There's the Old Covenant 
And then there's the new covenant. And the old covenant was under the law, right? They had all the sacrifices. There was the temple. God was, you know, in the holiest of holies. He was separated from his people. Uh, the new covenant, Jesus comes. That all goes away. We have faith in Jesus. That's how we have connection with God. And we know that these two covenants exist, and we know that they're different, but sometimes we don't always know how to, like, describe that. You know what I mean? Because let's face it, we, we've all heard that covenant and contract are different, but sometimes we don't always know how to express that, right? And so when the Bible uses this word here, covenant, berith, it actually means that, that, that there's a separation of these two that's more than just throwing a dividing line in the center, right? I promise not to hurt our pastors. Um, it actually means that there is a cutting, like a cutting of flesh or of fabric, where these two things that used to exist together now exist in totally different states. So much so that the old can no longer even be recognized in the same way in the new. That there's something so separate from the two. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Um, yeah, I'll take those. Our, our lovely assistants. They'll be here for at least to the end of service. Um, just kidding. I'll put this down here. Put that away. Um, right? It, it, it's the same kind of picture we talk about, like, and it's that picture of covenant that we see, like, in relationships, right? When Gab and I were dating, we were in one form of a covenant, right? There came this point where I agreed that, like, I wasn't going to date somebody else, right? We had one kind of a relationship. But the day we got married, a new covenant formed, right? And there was no going back to the old one. It was separated, right? There was a definitive line that there's no more. Can, is, this is all passed away. And the new is now where we live, right? That's that picture of covenant. Now, can I just, a balancing statement real quick. One of the greatest shames for us as Christians is sometimes we can live solely in the New Testament and never take time to read the Old Testament, right? That's not how the Word of God is meant to be read, right? In the same way that we, read, we live in the New Testament, it doesn't mean we're going to go back and trying to make animal sacrifices to please God like they did in the Old Testament. No. What it means is that we see the revelation of Jesus in the New Testament, and we see how Jesus has been revealed through the Old Testament, right? That's the point of this, this new covenant, that we are living in the new, better covenant under Jesus, by Jesus, because of Jesus, with Jesus. Amen? Amen. I don't know where I was going with the running thing, but I'll come back. All right, one of my favorite uh, quotes from C.S. Lewis. I found this. I thought this would be neat. I wanted to share this with you guys. He says, I cannot speak for the way God deals with others. I only know he deals with me personally. Right? Amen? Anybody else agree with that? You ever notice God can speak your language? Right? You ever notice that God speaks to you in the things that you have an emotional attachment to or realize or recognize or have experience with? Right? God uses your language to talk to you. It's personal. Right? It's personal. He wants to talk to you personally. Oh, that's what I was talking about. I remember. It came back. I remember. I was running. Yes, okay. We're there. It was after that day. I can remember the Lord told me, talking about being personal, I remember the Lord told me, um, up until now, I was proud of you running. You now need to stop. I remember that. I remember thinking like, I remember the Lord saying, yesterday this was not sin. Today, if you keep going, you're in sin. I was like, oh, like the Lord is talking to me directly. He's being, he's being personal to me that he wanted to communicate to me in a way that was, one, I recognized. Secondly, this was just for me. I can't go tell other people, don't run. The Lord says no running, right? Because that's not what the Lord was saying to everybody. That's what the Lord was speaking to me, 
right? I made an idol out of something that was not supposed to be an idol. Um, Amen. All right. Uh, Revelation 3.20. Revelation 3.20. Another big shame is that sometimes we can get afraid of reading the book of Revelation, right? Because there's like all this kind of stuff in there and people get nervous about it. But let's not forget, uh, Anthony Aquilino taught me this early on, is that uh, it's called the Revelation of Jesus Christ, right? It's the most hope-filled book because it's how we have, how Jesus is revealed to the world, right? It's the great hope of humanity. So I love this. Jesus says in Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and dine with him and he with me. You know what's cool about that whole concept of like eating together? Um, You know, then in biblical days as now, it was the social norm was that you ate with people that you were supposed to associate with right? You kind of stayed in your class, so to say, right? So if you were, you know, of one station, you would only eat people that you were in similar station with. Uh, and so it's interesting that Jesus is constantly in the New Testament eating with people like the Bible would constantly describe tax collectors and sinners, right? Tax collectors and sinners. Interesting that they separated those two, um, especially after tax season passed here, right? (laughs) That there was a separation, but he wanted to be with the least of the least. Isn't that interesting? Jesus wanted to associate with the very least of the least, and that infuriated the scribes and Pharisees. Amen, right? He did not like that because that was not the social norm. You don't do that, but Jesus did that. And it's interesting, you know, um, and we understand this concept, right? Have you ever been to a wedding and been sat down at a table where you have no idea how you guys are all supposed to be sitting together, right? You have to like play this like mental game of like, why am I with all these people? You know what I mean? What do we all have in common? You find out like, oh, we're all pastors, <laughs> you know, or we're all this, we're all that, right? There's, there's this, you, you have to like kind of figure out how you're all associated, you know? We, all under, we understand this concept uh, because, you know, when you eat with somebody, there's like a guard going down kind of a thing. You know what I mean? I can remember when Gab and I first started dating, the first date we went to was uh, the Cheesecake Factory, right? Which, amen, God bless us. Go Nate, right? Cheesecake for the win. I knew that no matter how bad the date was, it can't be bad if it ended with cheesecake. You know what I mean? Like that's, I had a plan. Um, I didn't have a lot of money, but I had a plan. And, uh, <laughs> and so, um, I can remember that, that first, like, like we were friends for a long time, but now like we kind of crossed into a new state of, of, of relationship, right? Like we were now dating. And, and now suddenly this person I had plenty of jokes with and we talked with and we were friends for a long time, now I'm terrified in her presence. You know what I mean? And like I'm trying to figure out like how do I eat food and like have a conversation simultaneously? You know what I mean? And that, that suddenly makes like all your food choices very difficult. You know what I mean? I think we just ate like macaroni and cheese. <laughs> I think that's like all we ate. Um, they had like macaroni and cheese balls. That's like what we ordered. Because you can eat that relatively clean, you know what I mean? Without, with minimal face dabbing. Um, and the, the thing that terrifies you is like dead air. If there's any dead air, it's like, that's the worst experience in the world. That's the longest four seconds. Um, right? There's, but there, there's this, you have to allow your guard to be down with this person. Now, seven years later and with the baby, it's like, you know what I mean? Like, there's no better experience than like eating like, like, like chicken wings together. It's just all over your face. It's over your hands. It's like, this is delicious. You know what I mean? Suddenly that we've, we've entered into a more mature state of relationship where it's safe to have your guard down with each other. That's what God wants with you and I. 
He wants you and I to have our guard down with him. Have you ever noticed, like, we know how much we have our guard up or guard down with God, depending on how we format our prayers. Have you ever noticed that? Like, have you ever started your prayer off with, like, really trying to make sure you've dotted all your eyes, right? Like, you're like, dear Lord, it's got to start with dear Lord or heavenly father. That's better, right? That gets there faster. And then you have your list of demands, right? And you have your subsections of list of demands, you know, and you have to make sure that you sign it with in the name of Jesus. Make sure you say amen, right? If you don't say amen, it's not sent, right? Have we all felt this way? We've all been there, right? We're all trying to, we're trying to like, we're trying to make sure that we have like, like God gets the full scope of where we're at with things, right? That's not the picture that God wants to have with you and I, right? God's not looking for a formal letter sent to him. He's looking to have a conversation with us. He's looking to have a meal with us, right? In our lives. And it's interesting that Jesus constantly used meals, right, sitting down, guards down with people, people he wasn't supposed to associate with, to do things like teach. I don't know about you, but man, if college, if every, me, if every time I went to a college class we were just eating, I feel like I would have learned so much more. <laughs> There's nothing worse than being a hungry college student, right? Like all my, I'm living on ramen, you know what I mean? And I'm trying to learn things and it's like complicated concepts. Jesus didn't do that to people. You know, I think there's, and by the way, can I just say, uh, we, we are going to like live how we preach because t- today they're selling empanadas outside, right? Amen. As soon as service is over, go out and get you an empanada. You can, ex- you can advance the ministry of Jesus and the, and the, the purpose of like, like a, a God's heart, the ministry of God's heart that's reaching out into all kinds of communities, and you get to eat empanadas. Like, this is like the New Testament praise be. You know what I mean? Like, we live in amazing times. That's my plug. Um, no, I mean it though. If, if, and if last week it was too much of a long line, endure for the cause of Christ and empanadas. It's going to be worth it, I promise. Um, Jesus, so you, he constantly was at meals teaching. He's at meals performing miracles. And at meals he's breaking social norms. All these things, right? The God of the universe, the unknowable God, now sharing meals with the least of us. Which, by the way, listen, I don't know about you, but that's you and me. <laughs> that's us, right? We are in that category of tax collectors and sinners, right? All right, number two. God's promise is that because we know him, we can trust him. We can trust him. Trust is a funny thing, right? Who here has somebody that you trust? There's somebody in your life that you trust? Good, amen. That's just about everybody, right? We all, hopefully we have somebody in our lives that we feel like we can trust. Um, because trust is something that we have to build with each other, right? We have to, tr- we have to grow to trust and l- learn and know each other. But then there are some people in life that we just trust implicitly, like taxi drivers. <laughs> right? Have you ever been to New York and you got into a taxi? These people drive without concept of human life. Do you know what I mean? I was in New York one time. We were going to a play somewhere for something. I don't even remember. All I remember is we got into a taxi and like the, 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 we are weaving through multiple lanes of traffic. I mean, there are pedestrians flying on either side of us. I could was sure at one point we were on a sidewalk, you know? And I was just, and, but, but for me, I was like, this is fine. He knows where he's going. You know what I mean? Like, it was no problem. I'm, he does this all day long. You know what I mean? It's total trust, right? Total trust. Um, if only Gab had that much trust in me when I first started driving. My first experience was driving into Whiting thinking I was going towards Bricktown. 
It was not a good experience, um, right? But Gab trusts me now as I drive, right? Because she'll do things like hold an eyeliner pencil to her eye as I drive, which I find terrifying because I don't trust me that much. You know what I mean? I, there, you wouldn't find me. There's no scenario in which I'm holding a pencil to my eyeball, right? <laughs> Jesus is good. She doesn't trust me, though, with people on bikes, just so you know. Every time we're driving, if there's ever a person on a bike, she's like, person on a bike. Day or night. I guess love. Yes, ma'am. Um, we can trust him. Romans 8.28. And we know that all things work together for good for those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. You know, it's interesting. There's, um, there's a lot of things that we think are like promises of God that are not promises of God, right? Like the phrase, uh, God helps those who help themselves. Have you heard that? God helps those who help themselves. That's not a promise of God. That's not. Because God doesn't need you to help yourself to come and step into your world, right? If he did, there'd be no need to send Jesus because you could have helped yourself right? Um, In fact, that's what this verse goes the opposite of that. All things work together for good. And here's what's cool. That word, uh, work together for good to those who love him, who are called according to his purposes. Hey, that's you. Everybody say, that's me. Because you have been called according to his purpose. His purpose is that you would have relationship with the living God because of Jesus. You're part of God's plan and purpose. Everything works together for your good. Sometimes we have this picture of like, oh, all this terrible stuff happening in my life. I guess God's going to use it for somebody's good, right? And God might use it for somebody's good. But his word says he's going to make it all work together for your good. Amen? Right? We need to remember that. That like, think, listen, the world's crazy. It's nuts out there. I was just talking to to Bob. I almost said Pastor Bob. I was just talking to to Bob Gimple, right? It's crazy. Things are nuts out there. It's crazy. But in that craziness, right, not that that's not God's purpose that it's that way. God doesn't want it to happen that it's that way. But in the midst of it, he's going to make sure that it works together for your good. Your good. He's going to make it work together for your good. You can trust him to do that. Amen? Isaiah 26, verse 3. You will keep in perfect peace. Everybody say perfect peace. Those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you, right? He keeps us in perfect peace because we trust in him. You know, one of the greatest challenges for us, do we live our lives like we truly know the Prince of Peace? Do we live our lives like we really have a relationship with the Prince of Peace, right? If I had a personal relationship with Elon Musk, which I don't, if you're wondering, um, we're not pen pals or anything, right? But if I did, if we just like hung out all the time, do you think I would ever be worried about the cost of a dinner? No, I wouldn't. I would never, you would never find me even looking at the price of things anymore, right? I don't know, I don't know if he's a billionaire, a trillionaire, and a multi-gazillionaire, whatever, right? I just wouldn't worry about it anymore, right? Because it just wouldn't matter. It wouldn't be a factor. Guys, we have the Prince of Peace as our God who lives in us but sometimes we walk through the world, yeah, sometimes we walk so anxious of things in the world. Can I tell you, we're not going to tell, tell the world that our God is the Prince of Peace, that our God is almighty and powerful by being anxious over everything that happens. Amen, right? And I'm not saying, listen, I'm not saying we don't be the light. I'm not saying we don't, we don't you know, vote. I'm not saying we don't, we don't 
try to, to pray through the different things that are going on. In fact, we should be the most involved in civics and politics and people's lives and trying to represent the love of God to them, but we shouldn't walk around full of anxiety in the process. Amen? I'm speaking to me too. Listen, next year's an election year. We need to pray more, but we don't need to be anxious because we have the Prince of Peace. Amen? Do we live like we are genuinely connected to the Prince of Peace? of peace. Um, your next fill in here, the truth is many of us have a hard time trusting God because we don't know his character. Mm, I hate saying that because that's been true in my life at times. There have been times that I have a hard time trusting God because I don't know his character. I didn't know his character. Listen, there are still times I am challenged to remind myself who God is, what he's like, because things are crazy in life. And how about you, but there's this temptation to believe, well, if God is all-powerful, if God is all-knowing, then surely everything needs to just be like sunshine and flowers, right? And that's not the picture of the world. In fact, Jesus is like, in this world, you have many trials, you know? You have many troubles, but fear not, I have overcome the world. Like, that's the promise. Not everything is perfect. Never, nope, and it will be. Listen, you know what's cool is that it will be perfect, for longer than it's been crazy, right? We just have to allow our Lord to establish his kingdom. And until then, we get to walk out his perfect peace, right? As we trust in him. Amen. Thank God for Jesus. Your next feeling, it's in the life of Jesus that we see the heart of the Father. The life of Jesus reveals to us the heart of the Father. All right, number three. God's promise is that following Jesus is worth it. Following Jesus is worth it. I have a, I have a bunch of different like notes and scriptures for this, but I just want to, I just want to share one. John 15, 5, he said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You know what's cool about this? We take that verse from a Western works-based thinking, and we think, okay, God's the vine. He wants me to bear much fruit. I got to make sure I hold on to God with both hands on this side, and over here I got to bear fruit, right? That's what we kind of feel like. We feel like I have to hold on to God, and I have to make fruit, and I got to do all this and like, produce fruit and hold on to God. And that's not the picture of that verse, right? The key word here is abide, right? The action word here, abide. He who abides in me will bear much fruit. You know what's cool is that no branch produces life or fruit on its own. It has to just be connected to the life source. And once it's connected to the life source, in fact, you see this, even people make like, remember like it was a big fad to make like hybrid fruit. Remember that cancer producing process? Right? It was, that was crazy. People making square watermelons and, 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 and bananas that taste like strawberries, you know, right? Like, but they would, they would graft these two different fruits together, and they'd tie them up, and they would try to have this life force come through this one. That's kind of the picture that God wants to do with us. He wants us to just be connected to his life, and that the life of Jesus now just lives through us. And by nature of Jesus living through us, we're going to produce fruit for the kingdom. 
people are going to be impacted for the gospel. Not because you're there trying to make it happen. You don't have to be God's like receptionist to try and make sure people have, make connections with God. Your job is to just walk with Jesus. And by nature, he's going to move through you into people. Right? And you've had this experience where you're just like standing in line at Wawa, and God's like, you need to pray for the cashier. Ask them what you can pray for them for. You know? And then like we get that cold bead of sweat starts to run down our heads. Right? Just wave at me if you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, we know what we're talking about here, amen? Right? And it's like, there's this like anxiety produced, like, oh Lord, what if they think I'm weird? What if they think I'm strange? Can I tell you, I've never had somebody that I say, hey, can I pray with you? I've never had somebody be like, how dare? Never. No, I shall never be prayed for. Right? I've never had that happen. Right? People are always so thankful. They're so grateful. People who are like atheists. I've had prayed with people who are Buddhists. They're like, oh yeah, please pray for me. Right? Like there's, a, there's, man, the human condition wants connection with our Heavenly Father. We just don't always know how to do it. We don't always know how to just hold on to Him, grab onto Him. Sometimes we need to be introduced to Him, right? That's where you and I are just the branch. We just abide in Him. We rest in Him. We trust in Him. And as we do that, what's cool is that cycle we talked about at the beginning, that little triangle, it starts all over again because as we're trusting in Him, we're following Him, we're abiding in Him, as we abide in Him, we get to know Him more, and we get to trust Him more, and we get to grow in following Him more, which brings us back to knowing Him more, right? That cycle continues. And there's an interesting, you know, I'm just going to uh, read this. I, I, I love this uh, section of Acts. I'm just going to wrap up with this. And um, actually, Pastor James, if you would uh, just don't mind coming up, I asked him to just uh, play in the keys a little bit as we wrapped up here. Acts 4.13 uh, Peter and John are standing at the synagogue, and they're about to, to go in. There's a beggar there, and uh, he's a, a paralytic, or he's lame, and he's, uh, he's a professional beggar because he's been given a coat that basically says, I can't, I can't support myself, so he's legally allowed to beg in that area. And so he's asking for, for money, and, and so Peter says to him, silver and gold I have not, but what I have, I give to you. It says, in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, stand up and walk. And it says the man stood up, and then they go in all together, which I, which, I mean, if Peter had just done that with somebody, and he says, follow me, like, I'm going. Yeah, where are we going? I'm walking. This is crazy, right? He goes in, and he's talking, and now, he's now preaching the gospel to the Pharisees in the, the temple. And this is what it says, Acts 4, 13. It says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. And they realized that they had been with Jesus. Do people realize that we have been with Jesus? My question to you this morning, when you go places, when you go home, when people see you, when the people who know you best get to know you, do they realize, do they perceive that you have been with Jesus? Right? Now, that doesn't mean, Gab reminded me this last night, she said, uh, that doesn't mean that we, uh, that doesn't mean quantity of time, it means quality of heart. I thought that was so wise. Sometimes we don't have four hours a day to dedicate to prayer, right? But what's the quality of our time with Jesus? What's the quality of our heart? Are we looking to spend time with Him? Do people realize that we've been with Jesus? when we interact with them. One of the things I love, uh, can I share with you something? 
a little silly, a little special for me. Do you know what this is? Parents in the room, have you seen this? This is one of two options. This is either the most annoying thing you've ever seen in your life. (laughs) Or, like me, it's one of the most amazing things you've ever seen in your life. Because uh, when Noah was a little bit younger, like, he was still learning all those, like, gross motor skills. You know what I mean? And we would practice pressing the button. Right? And for those of you who were at our... (laughs) our student retreat of this uh, last one, you know what I'm talking about here. And I love that that's something we could do together, right? I, we would practice like pushing the button, you know what I mean? And, and, and then we push the little elephant back down, you know, or we flip the switch or push the little, little knob here, or turn the, turn the knob, right? I love that. I love that because it's something that we, it was one of the first things that me and him could do together, right? We just do it together. Can you imagine if Noah sat there thinking to himself, what does my dad want from me? What does he want from me? Oh, my dad's desire for my my life is that I push the blue button. Right? Like, that would be crazy. He was like, Dad, I want to serve you today. Right? But imagine if that's all he ever thought I wanted from him, was that I had my son so that he could just push buttons or turn knobs, right? That would be heartbreaking if, that's, the, that, if, that, if that, that's all he thought I wanted from him. But sometimes we can walk around in life thinking we're supposed to be God's cosmic button pushers. And instead of, of, of going to God like our heavenly father who wants to know us, who wants us to know him, we think, God, what button am I supposed to push today? What knob am I supposed to turn? But that's not it at all. And you know, sometimes we have these great, amazing giftings. Listen, I like to think I'm okay in talking in front of groups of people, right? I like doing this kind of thing. If all I think is like, God, your design for me is to be your PR person. Well then, what a, I can only imagine God's heartbreak at thinking all that my job is, is to make him sound good. And the reality is, he doesn't want me to do this for him. He wants us to serve him with him. That was the great joy. I got a kick every time a button would be pushed and he'd push it back down. It was the most amazing thing to me because we could do it together. Because we were doing it together. And if my son ever thought that this is all dad wants from me, I would realize he doesn't know me at all. If you think God only wants you for what you can do, I want to lovingly tell you, you don't know your heavenly father at all. He wants to do this life with you. He wants to be at every meal, not because we pray a token prayer, because he wants to sit and be with you. God wants to be the kind of God who has conversations with you like you don't have with anybody else. He wants to be the kind of God that will listen when nobody else will. He wants to be the kind of God who will speak in the midst of the silence. And if we think that he just wants us to work for work's sake, then we don't know him. Then we're living in this, this outward expression in the old and not the inward expression of the new. In Genesis, after Adam and Eve sinned and fell, 
God's first words to them were, where are you? I don't think it's because God didn't know. I think he's saying that to us today. Where are you? Are you trying to live an outward expression outside of him? Or have you taken that step to cross the line into that deeper relationship where you and God can know each other? Where you can know your heavenly father, his heart, his desire to do things with you, not have you do things for him. I've read the Bible. I never saw a part where God God was like, how am I going to make this happen? But I see lots of parts where he will wait until his people come into alignment with him and they can do it together. Gosh, that's what prayer is, isn't it? God, God can answer every prayer we pray. Sometimes the answer is no. But he'll wait for us to pray, to move, because he, does, he wants to do it with us. So where are you today? Church, maybe you're here and you're saying, I, I've been trying to serve God, and it's been all about a life of service to God, which is noble. But is that, is the, in that service, is there true relationship with him? Is there true fellowship with him? Maybe you're here and you're saying, I don't even know who God is. I don't have that relationship with God. Then let today be the day that a new covenant starts between you and him, where the old is cut away and something new has come. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, I don't trust God. I just don't have a trusting relationship. I don't, I don't feel like if I fall, he'll catch me. Hey, today's the day to get to know your heavenly father, right? Trust takes time. Let him show you how to walk out trusting your heavenly father to have you in the midst of the storm. Because he does. He doesn't let go. So wherever you're at this morning, hey, I want to challenge you. If you need prayer in any one of those areas, we'd love to pray with you. If you've never crossed that line and saying, Jesus, I need to start fresh and anew with you. I need to have a relationship with you. Let today be the day that you cross that line, that you cut away the old and you step into that new relationship. And if there's something else that you're just burdened by, don't go through those burdens alone. Man, God calls us to be the body of Christ. That means hands and feet. That means we shoulder each other's burdens together. We rejoice with those who rejoice. We cry with those who cry. Let's go through it together. Get around people who want to support you, love you, walk through that with you. Otherwise, church, I'm just going to pray. And you guys are going to be released, and you're going to go and have wonderful empanadas. Amen. (laughs) But don't leave today with a big question mark left on what do I do with God? Leave today with a period. I know where I am. I know where I'm going. I know who my God is. Amen? Amen. Listen, I'm going to pray your release. If you need prayer, hey, make your way on up here because we'd love to pray with you. Heavenly Father, this morning we pray that, God, you would so pour out your spirit upon us. God, I pray that, Father, you would help us, each and every one of us, myself included, to get to know you in a deeper way, not out of our efforts, not out of our might, but by your grace. Lord, help us to grow in trusting you. Help us to follow after you. And as we do, God, help us to know you more. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you see where we're at. God, that you don't need us to try and manufacture anything nice, that you just want us where we're at, who we are, and to come to you 
with eyes wide open. So we just give to you, Father, the rest of this day, and we thank you that we get to have relationship with you. It's in the name of Jesus, Father, we pray all these things. Amen. Amen. Amen.